Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Superflex Super Show proudly brings to you Stompy Sam Lane. I have a personal conspiracy theory that I haven't been on the main show in a few months, and I think there is some collusion between James and John going on. I want to skip that. That is Ray GQ. What's going on? I was actually going to dress up as Stompy for Halloween, but it was quite cold out here in Texas, and I have an image to uphold, so I passed on the singlet this year, but I plan on getting it in next year. See, here's the thing with that, though, is you you, had, you should have gone out in the cold, and it would have been like more like appropriate, more, more true <laughs> to form. And we are the Superflex Super Show. James, who are you though? You forgot to mention yourself. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, I'm just I'm just here to moderate, basically. Yeah. You know, I'm just here to absorb the information you guys are going to be uh, dishing out here. We have a very special special episode. Ray is uh, is on here. Ray GQ. Ray, uh, do me a quick favor. We're going to do this a couple of times, but tell the people where they can find you and where they can find all your work. I know that you specialize really focusing on Debbie prospects, and that's what we're here to talk about today. So tell everybody where they can find you and your stuff, bud. Yeah, on Twitter at Ray GQ, and that's QUE, uh, host of Destination Debbie podcast. So if you just add DDP, that pops up, writer and ranker over there at DLF, Dynasty League Football, and just on Twitter, man, love engaging with folks, so uh, hit me up. Awesome. Yeah, make sure to listen to that. That Devi, um, uh, Your Devi content is fantastic over on Twitter, but Destination Devi, that podcast is right on. It's so good. I, I never miss an episode. So um, today, guys, we're going to talk about some Devi prospects, and Ray, I'm going to start with you, man. I, I cannot wait. So this is obviously a quarterback centric show, you know, we're super flex. We're, we're leaning towards the QBs. We want to know what's going on with the quarterbacks that are coming into the league. Look, it's week 10. We're heading into week 10 of the NFL season. We got a pretty good idea. Aren't, aren't very good. What teams are, um, you know, some people want to know, Hey, what are the prospects that are coming into the draft that maybe my team could be looking at? Cause we need a quarterback, but also I got these picks. I've been dealing for picks this year because I'm rebuilding what quarterback has draft that I can build around. So, Ray, give me your top three guys that are eligible for the 2020 uh, draft at the quarterback position. Yeah, it's shaping up to be a, a heck of a lot better quarterback class than we anticipated coming into the season. And for me, it's led by Tua Tungavailoa, the quarterback out of Alabama, junior guy, 6'1", about 220", 
I mean, he's he's hurt right now, ankle injuries, and that is a concern. This isn't his first ankle injury, but man, two is a beast. He's been doing it since he stepped on the field for the Crimson Tide. I think part of the problem is we get Alabama fatigue. We see them every Saturday, whether we want to or not. And uh, two has been there, it seems like, for a while. So um, any of the new hotness that comes along sort of, uh, you know, gets a little more uh, a couple of looks outside of Tua. But I think Tua is the, the top-rated quarterback in this class, pocket passer, followed by Joe Burrow, and he came out of nowhere. I thought he looked good last year. I thought he looked okay. But to be completing close to 80% of his passes this year, 30 touchdowns, only four interceptions – and what's crazy is LSU is not known as a high-flying offense, right? It's defense, control the ball, run the ball, and the quarterback don't make mistakes. But Joe Burrow is one of the nation's leading passers. I think he's second or third in the nation in passing yards, which is insane for an LSU quarterback to have that many passing yards and 30 touchdowns at this point in the season. But Joe Burrow, number two for me. And number three, it's not Jake Fromm, it's not Justin Herbert or Jordan Love or Jacob Eason. It's Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts. And I know Stompy's going to love this guy because of uh, the NFL is changing, man. Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, players like Russell Wilson that can move in the pocket. Uh, days long gone are the days of the statute quarterback who are just going to sit back there and, and, and dissect defenses. Uh, defenses are faster, more athletic. So when you have a quarterback that can run the ball and make throws from the pocket, that's a cheat code in fantasy football. And that's what we're doing, man. We're talking about players who are going to score points. And Jalen Hurts is, I mean, six foot two, 220 pounds. The kid is thick. He can run and he's doing it. Uh, in that offense at a more efficient clip than Baker Mayfield and, and Kyler Murray did. And he's doing it with far less weapons, I'd, I'd venture to say as well. So Jalen Hurts for me is a major riser. Him and Joe Burrow were two afterthoughts coming into this season. But right now, that's what I got, one, two, and three. Tua, Joe, and Jalen. Nice. I like that list, Ray. That's that's a solid list. Stompy, what uh, what do you have? What do you what are your top three, and uh, what are your reasonings behind uh, the guys that you've got listed your your top three here? Yeah, so Ray and I have two in common here. I, I do have Tua as my number one as well. I mean, uh, he might. It, it's hard to say, but he might be one of the better prospects we've seen come out since Andrew Luck. I mean, the guy can do everything on the field. Um, he has a couple of issues. I mean, he does have a hitch in his delivery. Um, he has s- some bad reads every once in a while. We definitely saw it against Clemson, though. You got to give a lot of um, respect to Clemson, uh, Clemson's defense and the way the game planned for him. But yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to dislike about Tua and he's doing it in back-to-back seasons. And uh, I'll talk about why I love Jalen Hurts here, and, and Ray, Ray mentioned it, but it's not like he didn't overtake a good quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Um, Jalen Hurts, especially in his freshman season, freshman season in 2016, was a fan, I mean, looked to be a fantastic quarterback, and Tua took over Jalen Hurts. So that's one thing to keep in mind here is that he took over a very good quarterback and a quarterback who's on both of our top three lists here for next season. Um, but yeah, I mean, with, with Tua, he, the guy has put up numbers already. I mean, uh, he, he does have that I, injury and I don't know how serious it was. Um, maybe both, either of you could tell me, but 
regardless, he he almost threw for 4,000 yards last year. He was well on pace for that this year. Um, he was more efficient this year than he was last year, which is astounding because he had 43 touchdowns, six interceptions. And this year he is he had 27 and two through seven games. And he's almost and he's got uh, almost 2,200 yards through seven games. So, um, and and his completion percentage is up five over five points. So, not only was he fantastic last year, he is better this year, which just is crazy. Um, on to my next one, Jalen Hurts, and, and I mean Ray mentioned it. He is a dual threat quarterback, and uh, it took like the best quarterback in the league to, to jump him on, on the, um, on the chart at, at, at Alabama, but he does everything. I mean, we mentioned, and, and I've, I'm sure several people who listen to me have, li- have heard me talk about Lamar Jackson's 3000 yard, um, what passing 1000 yard rushing. Well, Jalen, Jalen hurts almost did that in his freshman season. He had, uh, 2,700 yards passing, 954 yards rushing. Um, he's probably going to – well, he should surpass that this season. Right now he's got uh, almost 2,500 yards passing and um, 801 yards rushing. And as Ray mentioned, the the game is changing. You have guys like Kyler Murray. You have guys like Russell Wilson. Uh, you have guys like Lamar Jackson um, who are coming into the league that are dual-threat quarterbacks. And the – and and this hurts me to say as a Broncos fan, but the the time of the tall, big armed quarterback seems to be waning at this point because we've seen the Broncos go through Brock Osweiler and Paxton Lynch, uh, and they have struggled. And <laughs> we'll see we'll see what Drew Locke does, but it seems to me that and and we saw it last Sunday what Lamar Jackson can do. He is somebody that it's hard to game plan around. And I think that's the way that the NFL is going. So Jalen hurts being big, big, like uh, Ray said, six to 220 pounds and being able to throw the ball and run the ball makes him probably one of like the next Lamar. I mean, he's not, it's, it's tough to match Lamar Jackson, but he's one of the next in that prototype of quarterback. So that's why I really like Jalen hurts. Um, this season, my next, my next one. And I, I think people are a little bit down on him um, after he didn't come out last season uh, is Justin Herbert. And he's actually having uh, arguably his best uh, season in college. And I know he has uh, his, his issues. Um, he definitely locks on to, to wide receivers. Um, he's not, overly durable he's he's one of those tall relatively big armed quarterbacks some of his decision making is not fantastic but like i said his his uh senior season is arguably the best or it really is the best he's had in in college he uh through nine games he's at 2300 yards um 24 touchdowns to only uh, two interceptions um, his completion percentage is the highest in his career. And and I think while, while you can't expect like the heights of somebody like Jalen Hurts, like the, somebody like Tua, you can expect him to be a decent quarterback um, and really probably a, a franchise quarterback for, for a decade or more. Um, if he, and especially if he's able to, and, and 
and fi- or uh, most of his issues are fixable, but especially if he's able to fix some of those issues we've seen in college. Really nice. Okay, so look, I I, I made a list here too. Uh, my list has the same three names that Ray's list has. It's a little bit of a different order, but it's the same three guys. So instead of going through that, I actually have a few questions that I kind of wanted to ask you guys and kind of get your uh, your opinions on. So my first question is about Tua. Uh, and, and really it's, I know it seems minute, but let me, let me go ahead and explain why I'm going to ask this. Um, two is a left-handed quarterback, right? Um, so while that doesn't seem like it's too big of a deal, it does change a lot of the dynamics for a football team. I mean, essentially your right tackle kind of becomes your left tackle. He's, he's blocking for the, uh, you know, the, the blind side of the quarterback. And you also have some receivers that, you know, that the spin is a little different on a ball and it takes a little bit for those guys to kind of, kind of grow accustomed to, to catching that type of a ball. Do you guys have any concerns over that? I know it kind of seems minute, but it's definitely something that's been brought up in the past with other prospects. Is there any, uh, any truth to that Ray um, that, uh, that a left-handed quarterback might be a little bit more difficult to pick the ball up off of their hand for some receivers. And is that something that maybe some GMs kind of want to shy away from because of how it restructures their offensive line and that kind of philosophy? Well, I do know from an offensive line standpoint that Alabama did have some issues in recruiting with that because, you know, these guys want to play left tackle because they're, you know, one of the highest paid positions in the NFL. But essentially, the, the, they're very good left tackles were moved to the right side to protect to his blind side. So I, I know that was sort of an issue in recruiting and sort of how they shuffled their offensive line at Alabama. As far as the receivers catching the ball, and I was going to actually ask you guys this, does it make a difference? I was listening to a podcast this morning. I can't remember who was talking about it, but they said something about Steve Young and Jerry Rice that after every practice, uh, I don't know if it was Young's first year or whatever it was, they would sit back and like do a catch 100 balls. Jerry Rice would catch 100 balls from Steve Young because it came out different. The spin was different all of that stuff. And that's from the goat, you know what I mean? Jay Rice is the goat. So um, it, it doesn't seem to have affected Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and, and all of those wide receivers at Alabama. So, you know, I, I was really going to ask you guys that, is that an issue? I mean, I, I don't know. So I, I defer to you guys on that one. I, I can't imagine it's the biggest issue. Uh, like you said, it's just going to take a little bit of time to get used to it. But, I mean, we're talking about NFL caliber players where maybe you'll see a a few more drops in their rookie season, but as long as, like, a wide receiver is is practicing and playing with Tua for a year, I, I can't imagine that it's not going to be – or it, that these guys won't be able to adjust. And I think the same goes for the line issues is a given team, and we, and we saw it with, like, the Ravens who last year – did not they it I think Lamar was forced to run more often just because of the fact that that offense was not prepared for Lamar Jackson they were prepared for Joe Flacco so it took an offseason for them to build that offense around Lamar Jackson and I think the same goes and and we we see what he's what he's doing now yes he's running but it's a lot of designed runs um that that running game is extremely good this season and and Lamar is is throwing the ball well and I think you'll see the same thing with Tua where the team who grabs Tua will build around Tua will get the the requisite offensive line players that they need um, and able to protect him 
Okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, I like all that. I think that's good information for our listeners too. Um, the, the next question I have for you guys is about Jalen Hurts. And look, I think Jalen Hurts, I think Ray kind of brought it up. You know, there, there's some similarity to kind of what he what he does to, to kind of what Lamar Jackson does. And obviously I'm not comparing the two as far as talent yet, um, but it looks like their playing styles is, is can be similar, um, you know, on the next level. So with Jalen Hurts, though, there comes some some – some things that we see uh, it seems like he walks onto his first target a lot. He's not great at uh, reading defenses pre-snap. Um, he relies on his athleticism a lot in his first read. What do you guys see anything that, uh, well, what, let's just put it this way. What does Jalen Hurts need to work on most to be a, uh, an effective quarterback his rookie year? If he were to come out in the 2020 draft, what do you guys think that is his biggest weakness that he would have to work on if he's going to be at the start right away? Well, I, I, I know that, and, and we'll talk about a guy that I kind of think kind of does the same thing, but um, I think he, when he senses pressure, he drops his eyes uh, from surveying the field and tries to find a way out of said pressure. Um, and that's obviously not good. So he, need, he needs to have greater pocket awareness, I suppose, and that using your peripherals to move around in the pocket to avoid that pressure um, is one big issue. Uh, I, I know that he is a running quarterback, and that's one of his strengths, but at the same time, those his legs are deadly because you can – I mean, you become a better player or a better quarterback when you're able to run and pass, and if you can become a pocket passer and then use that run as a weapon – then he becomes better. Um, so yeah, that's I think my biggest issue with him is his he tends to lose concentration when he's under pressure. Okay, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm with Stompy there. I think it's I mean he's going to have to learn how to play in the NFL. I think that's the that's the biggest thing, right? At Alabama, and 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 Stompy made a good point when he was talking about Hurts. People act like this guy was a bum at Alabama, and he wasn't. He was really good as a freshman. He was good as a sophomore, but Tua was better. You're talking about one of the best quarterbacks in college football ever. Like, Tua's going to go down in that realm. Like, he's just that good. And what he's doing, man, he was throwing for 400 yards. Like, it seemed like every game. And we were just like, ho-hum, another 400-yard, five-TD game from Tua. He he was just better. He was flat-out just better than Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts is no scrub. And one of the things that I think will make him successful, and it may not happen his rookie year, and if anything, I'd I'd be fine with him taking a year to sit, learn the game. It's, it's, It's something that can't be measured by data. There's not film on it. But he had a chance to fold at Alabama. He had a chance to, like, I'm out of here. I'm done. Like, he stayed. He competed with Tua. He came to Oklahoma. He won a captain's job. And he's balling. I was even skeptical about him in that OU system this year, but he's executing the offense as Lincoln Riley wants him to do it. And those intangibles, I think is that's what you want out of a quarterback at the next level. Somebody who's going to go in there, work, and look how freaking good Lamar Jackson has improved from last year to this year. There were people last year uh, uh, that didn't think for whatever reason he could even throw the ball. Like, oh, it just won't happen. He can't improve. And he's looked leaps and bounds better. Isn't it a novel concept that people can practice in the offseason and get better? And for me, I know it's it's easy to talk about Lamar Jackson, but 
I don't like the comp, especially this early out. But Jalen Hurts really reminds me of Dak Prescott coming out of Mississippi State. They've got that similar build. They're a lot thicker than Lamar. Like, Jax is, is muscular and he's put together. But Hurts, just look at his lower body, man. His legs, like he's thick. He, he He's more of a Dak Prescott than a Lamar Jackson. He's not as explosive. I don't think there's anybody as just flat-out explosive. But he he's not getting tackled by arm tackles. We watched Kyler Murray. I mean, as soon as you breathe on him, he's falling down, man. He just he can't he can't break tackles. And and Jalen Hurts, you're not taking him down with the first man. So like Stompy said, of course, pocket awareness, reading defenses. But you know what? Every freaking quarterback in the NFL plays in a system. What happens to Jared Goff when his first and second read break down? You know, so the the game is changing. And we talked about Lamar and, and Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, other mobile quarterbacks. You know, Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky. Josh Allen, those are guys who can move in the pocket. And mm-hmm. there was there were some people saying freaking Mitch T was an MVP candidate coming into the season. So <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I, I'm with I, I'm all on the Hertz train, man. I'm I'm taking that risk, especially in Superflex formats. Right. And, and and I think one of the biggest things, like let's look at like Baker Mayfield, for instance. I mean, I think I, I don't really know what's going on right now in terms of what's going on in Cleveland, but we saw what he did in his rookie season. And then now we're seeing that he his he's having a lot of issues reading the field. And so it takes some time to get used. I mean, not everybody's Patrick Mahomes. That just doesn't happen. Um, and it takes time to learn how to play in the NFL. And we're seeing that with Baker. Baker had a fantastic season, his freshman season, but he's definitely having issues reading the field, getting through his reads. And I think that's something that Jalen Hurts needs to work on. And and it just so happens that they're both at OU and they're both more about quick read uh, type stuff as well. So um, just keep that in mind is that Jalen Hurts, yes. I mean, he and, and that's the other that's the other thing, though, is Jalen Hurts is more explosive. He's a better runner than Baker Mayfield. So at the very least, he can be successful without having to go through his progressions like Baker does. Yeah, very good. I think what tantalizes us as fantasy owners about Jalen Hurts so much is the fact that he he is so athletic and he can make plays with his legs if a play does break down. And so we see that and we can we can see an immediate role uh, for somebody that could be on our fantasy team, you know, that could be relevant right away. Um, so that that always helps us. But moving on, my last question before we move on, guys, um, and I know Stompy uh Joe Burrow wasn't on your list, but I'm going to ask a question about Joe Burrow anyways. And it's less about Joe Burrow, more about LSU. We can go quick on this one, though. Has Joe Burrow changed the culture at LSU? Um, that culture was always run heavy, play defense, win, grind it out. Joe Burrow has has uh, has really um, has thrown the ball a whole lot more and more effectively than we've seen anybody at LSU in a long, long time. Ray, has he changed that culture there? Is that more of a tappy uh, offense now? Yeah, I think it's Joe Burrow, it's Ed Orgeron, it's Jamar Chase, it's it's Justin Jefferson, it's it's all of those guys, and you can see it, the impact of Joe Burrow in their recruiting class. If you just go look at who they have coming in, it's absolutely ridiculous. So, um, you know, again, like Snobby said, the, every these offensive coordinators are adjusting to the, the high school game is impacting college and the NFL more than people realize it. I mean. That's what they do in high school. It's it's spread, it's air raid, it's zone read, and these kids are coming in 
we, we don't need to run the ball 60 times a game because we can air it out. We've got athletic quarterbacks and, and we can utilize those playmakers on the outside. So uh, yes, he's changed the culture at LSU, but the high school game is really impacting what's going on right now. I think Ray made a, a um, very important point there. It's not necessarily Joe Burrow. It's Ed Ogeron. Um with less miles there, they, I mean, you had guys like Jarvis Landry, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, and I don't, was he, he fired before DJ Chark? I can't remember, but they had elite talents at wide receiver. They just didn't use them. And, and yep. granted you had, you did have Fournette, you did have uh, Darius Geis, you had a, a wear, but at the same time, like Les Miles was more about running defense, and now you get a quarterback and a head coach who wants to throw the ball more, and here we are. Yeah, I think I think we could we could go round and round with this because you know, yeah, you need the I, I think you need both. I think you need the coach that's willing to to throw the ball, but if you have a, a quarterback that isn't isn't getting the job done, it's gonna matter how many pass plays he calls, right? I mean, they're they're uh, they're gonna to revert to whatever's gonna win them games. And for LSU for a long time, that was defense. Um defensively they were just so solid. They were able to run the ball a bunch with Leonard Fournette and guys that they had there at the running back position. And uh and so yeah, I think the culture has changed because of both those guys. But that's that's uh, that's really what I wanted to get to. And I think Ray made a great point. Look at the prospects that they're getting in now. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the success that they've had on offense people uh you know at these skill position player players now want to go back to LSU because they realize they can ball they can put up some numbers there so um that was that was great guys um to our top quarterback prospects outside the 2020 class so look we're all in in Debbie leagues or dynasty leagues we're all in 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 these leagues where you have future picks right and sometimes they allow you know one year two year three years to to kind of be traded for so what are we looking for outside of 2020? I know it's early, but let's look at a couple guys at the quarterback position that we really like. Ray, uh, who's your top two outside of the 2020 class at the quarterback position? It's it's pretty simple for me. It's Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields, and it's Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence. You could really flip-flop those guys. Uh, I think both of them are going to be studs. Justin Fields is more of a um, is more of that runner, and I really wouldn't call him a running quarterback. He's a quarterback that can deliver from the pocket, but he happens to have, you know, very uh, elite rushing skills. He's bigger than Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's bigger than Lamar Jackson, but he can deliver the ball from the pocket. He is a a pocket passer. And Trevor Lawrence, man, I, I know that this season hasn't gone as expected, but he's still balling. And, you know, you talk about the quintessential just arm talent can make every throw. When I'm looking at these quarterbacks, I want to see him make that far that far hash out throw. And Trevor Lawrence does that with ease. And don't get it twisted. He is not a statute quarterback. He doesn't just – now you don't want him running. He's like 6'6", 215. You don't want him running all over the place. But he is – I'd say he's an above-average athlete. I mean, when he gets in the open field, he can go. So he's somebody that's going to give you that mobility at the quarterback position. You don't – again, you don't want him running. You're not going to design quarterback runs for him but he's not a sitting duck in the pocket. So it's T-Law, it's Justin Fields, flip a coin. I wouldn't care which one I got. Both of them are studs. Yeah, I'm with you there. I I, I have the same list here. Um, 
like you said, I mean, Trevor, I, I don't think that anybody was going to live to the heights that we we put on Trevor Lawrence after winning that championship last season, especially in his freshman season. 30 touchdowns, four interceptions, over 3,000 yards. And like Ray said, I mean, he's still doing fine. I mean, it's not like he is doing what he did in his freshman season, but he's still throwing, he's throwing for over 2,000 yards. He's made a few more mistakes, which – I think is one thing, and, and we see it in the NFL too, uh, sophomore slumps, you, you you get more tape on a guy and you're, you're able to uh, scheme for scheme your defense for him. But he's still got 20 touchdowns. He does have eight interceptions. I mean, he is making some mistakes, but like Ray said, he can make basically every throw imaginable on the field. Um, and we saw it in that um, – in the in the championship game, he can he can ru- get outside the pocket. Um, he can throw against uh, or throw throw opposite of his body. I mean, he, he can make every throw. Um, so I, I wouldn't take too much uh, away from Lawrence because of the quote unquote step back that he took this year. Because next year, I'm sure that we're going to see a better Trevor Lawrence um, than we saw his freshman season. And then, and then Justin Fields, uh, we talk about mistakes that Trevor Lawrence has been making. Justin Fields is the exact opposite. Now he's not been asked to throw a ton this season, but when he does throw, he does not make a mistake. He has one interception on the season. He has 24 touchdowns. I mean, the guy has been fantastic. And I really think Georgia made, made a mistake. I listen, I like Jake Fromm. I do, uh, <laughs> but he's not Justin Fields. I think Jake Fromm is going to be an, I mean, he's going to be like an Alex Smith in the NFL. Yep. Team. Agreed. Agreed. But Justin Fields is a special talent. We're talking like, I mean, he's 6'3", 220 pounds. He, like you, like Ray said, he's a, he's kind of a big boy that can run the ball and he can throw and he just doesn't make mistakes in, in the heights that, that Justin Fields can reach Jake Fromm could never touch. So I really think Georgia made a big mistake there, but um, yeah, I I think those are the next two. That 2020 class is going to be pretty top heavy, in my opinion. Or that, sorry, the 2021 class. Yeah, I like that. I, I both of you mentioned with uh, with Trevor Lawrence and number one on my list, and that's basically because, like you guys said, man, I, when I'm watching these prospects, I want to make sure that they can make all the throws. They check a lot of these boxes, and <clears throat> Trevor Lawrence does. I mean, there's not a throw on that I don't think he can make. He has excellent arm talent. Um, you know, he's really good at planting his feet. He's got good mechanics. I know this year hasn't been great uh, for Trevor Lawrence as far as, you know, compared to last season. Um, but, you know, like you guys said, he's still doing it. I mean, he's still putting up some decent numbers. And I, sometimes the numbers in college ball can be misleading. You know, we look at those and we uh, we don't take into account everything that we should, like system, like supporting cast and and everything else. So when I'm watching this tape, man, I, I just want to see, can, can they make all the throws, um, their decision-making, what can they work on, their footwork, their mechanics, that sort of thing. And Trevor Lawrence, for a young prospect, man, this guy's already got a lot, checks a lot of those boxes. I think he's just going to get better and better. Um, I'm really high on Trevor Lawrence, just as high as I was at the end of last season. So um, for me, it's Trevor Lawrence is the easy number one. Number two for me, look, I, I know Fields is 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 balling out and he, he looks really good and he he deserves to be number two. But for the most part, I wanted to talk about a guy that I like a lot, and that's that's JT Daniels. I feel so bad for this kid getting hurt um early in the year. Uh, you know, what, what was it after one game, Ray? Um 
he he yeah. got hurt and it yeah. yeah yeah and and it looked like he it, I, mean, I know it was early but man did he he looked good this year it looked like he was I, I was really excited for him this year um it looked like he was he was going to put things together and I I just love his talent he has all the arm talent too I feel like he can make all the throws and I I think with that supporting cast that was surrounding him this year, uh, we were going to see him really ball out. So we're going to learn a lot about JT Daniels uh, coming back from a major injury. Um, you know, he uh, he hurt his knee. And what what was that? That was a uh, an ACL, right? A torn ACL. I think it was both. I think it was yeah. like an ACL, MCL. It was pretty bad. ACL meniscus or something. Yeah. I, and yeah. and so, yeah, I, I know that it was a bad injury. We're going to learn a lot about JT Daniels because if he can come back, he can bounce back and he can have the right attitude. Um, next year, if this guy if this guy does what I think he can do, um, I think he's going to shoot up a lot of boards. So JT Daniels is a guy I really like. I love his supporting cast again. Um, I think it's just getting better and better over at USC. Uh, so, I really am looking forward to this guy next year and seeing what he can do. So um, that's my list right there for those guys. So now guys, we've been, we've been focusing on quarterbacks. We've been talking about quarterbacks the entire episode. Let's, let's kind of shift gears here. Who is your top three prospects right now? Any position running back, wide receiver, tight end, anything not quarterback that's fantasy related. Who are your top three or who are three that you want to discuss with us at the very least? Ray, we're going to start with you, man. Who's on your list? All right, so I'm going to talk about the wide receivers, and then I'll throw running back in at number three. But for me, a lot of people have Jerry Judy as their number one ranked wide receiver in the 2020 class, and I think Jerry Judy's phenomenal. Uh, I'm not taking uh, an ounce of credit or accolades away from Jerry Judy, but CeeDee Lamb is my wide receiver one in the 2020 class, and when I watch him play, he gives me shades of Devontae Adams. You know, I, I know some people said, DeAndre Hopkins, but I see more Devontae Adams in his game than I do uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And it's, you know, we always freaking comp to all pros, which is ridiculous in the first place. But what CeeDee Lamb, I thought he was the best wide receiver on the Oklahoma Sooners last year. And that includes, you know, Marquise Hollywood Brown. He's just at six foot two. uh, He's right at about 195 pounds. He's a smooth athlete. He's He's a lot more... When you watch him, it doesn't look like he's moving like really fast, yet he's pulling away from defenders. He's weaving through defenses. He's making entire teams look ridiculous. Um, His catch radius is insane. His kind of, uh, if we're playing Madden, you know, they've got the spectacular catch rating. That dude makes some, some of the craziest insane grabs that you can see. His body control this year, he's really improved on his route running and creating separation. And and I I, I thought his production was going to dip with Jalen Hurts. I, I really thought he was going to take a dip in production and what he's done so far this year. I mean, he's going to crush his numbers from last year, and that's with the running quarterback. I just – CeeDee Lamb is going to be a really good pro. I think he's got a chance to be a really – really good pro. He's got all the skills that you'd want at that position. And I think he steps in right away from day one. I don't, I don't know if he steps in and he's the wide receiver one for an NFL team, but I think he's your number two right away. And he's got that chance to sort of develop into that wide receiver one, sort of like D hop did. And sort of like uh, Devonte Adams did when Deandre Hopkins came in the league, Andre Johnson was still there, but you saw it out of, out of nuke. You saw that he was about to be the man uh, Devonte Adams, you know, Jordy Nelson was in green Bay. And then when Adams got his chance to shine after, I think it was a year or two, I mean, he blew up. So I, I really believe that CD lamb 
is the best wide receiver in this class. And then I've got Jerry Judy second. And a lot of times we talk about the ability for wide receivers and, and running backs for that matter, but really the wide receiver position, their ability to accelerate, like get off the line and, and, and get to top end speed as, as quick as possible. But I think an underrated trait for these receivers are is their ability to decelerate. And Jerry Judy can go from zero to a hundred really fast, but then he can go from 100 to zero in the blink of an eye. And, you know, while he's stopping to come back, uh, for that curl route or to break out, the defensive back is still like drifting backwards. And I think his ability to decelerate is better than anybody in this class. And I think when he goes to the combine, he's going to absolutely crush the three cone drill because it's just agility is I jokingly said that Jerry Judy doesn't have knees. Like I don't think he has ligaments in his knees because he can just do some of this like herky jerky stuff out there at the wide receiver position. And, and he's just a dominant force. And I know Alabama's got a lot of good wide receivers and some people will point to his dominator rating. The fact that he, you know, isn't leading his team in dominator rating, but you know, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta cut on the tape. And and when you watch Jerry Judy play, you know, he's special. The last guy that I have here, he's not a top three running back for me, but I do believe that he probably is the most talented. If you're just talking about pure talent, he's probably the most talented running back in this class. That doesn't mean he's the best, but just what he can do from a physical gifts standpoint, and that's Florida State running back Cam Akers. And I think he's going to be a steal in the NFL draft, and I think he'll be a steal in dynasty rookie drafts if, you, if you're not playing with savvy players because – uh, Florida state. And I'm not, I'm not, this isn't hyperbole. I'm not trying to exaggerate out of 130 or 131 FBS teams. I believe last year, their offensive line, their rushing offensive line was ranked like 125, like right there at the bottom, but don't worry. It's gotten better this year. I, I looked at the stats a couple of weeks ago and they were like ranked ranked 120th. So they've gotten a little bit better from being like dirt poor to just poor, but he's still balling. I mean, he leads the nation, uh, leads the big six running backs in explosive plays, and I qualify that by runs of eight yards or more. Uh, he's got 52 on the season. He's got over 20 receptions. He's doing it behind a crap offensive line. Cam Akers is a beast, man. He's 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 a stud. I love this list. Uh, C.D. Lamb somewhat reminds me of D.K. Metcalf in that I think he is a better route runner, but his body control is phenomenal. Um, and we've we we, we we've seen it from D.K. Metcalf in the NFL, but that's one of the first things I look for is body control. Can he make those sideline catches? Can he go up, get the ball, and not like be pushed uh, out outside of where that catch radius is? So um, I love C.D. Lamb's uh, body control a ton and then uh just on cam Akers, so i i agree cam Akers is likely probably top three in terms of just talents and florida state had ranked 130th in adjusted line yards according to football outsiders last season um and then i'll look it up uh for this season and and a lot of people got really down on um cam Akers last season because of that but when you take into account the the coaching turmoil that has been going on there and the, sorry they're 121st in th this season so you know exactly how bad uh florida state's line is but cam Akers is back to where he um i maybe maybe not completely back but he's close to where he was in 
in his um, freshman season, uh, as I look up his stats here. Um, and yeah, I, I just it's it's hard to point out to like three of these guys, and that's why I think our lists are pretty pretty awesome because we're talking about I think uh, eight different guys. Uh, James and I have the same one of them, but yeah, I mean, with with Cam Akers. Sorry, he he's better than he was uh, his freshman season, but yeah, I mean, Cam Akers any other season probably is a top five running back, but because of how deep this class is, he I mean he's going to be kind of a sleeper pick, like Ray, Ray said. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I absolutely love this list. CD Lamb to me is just, I mean, when you watched film last year, <clears throat> like Ray said, man, you watched film last year. And, uh, Marquise Brown or Hollywood Brown, CD Lamb just just jumped off the tape. You know, it was like, man, who is this guy? Said, man, CD Lamb is making plays all over. And so last year it was just like, man, this guy is really good. And this year he hasn't disappointed. He has been so good. He is he's so fun to watch too. Uh, r- really a great player. I mean that that's a guy who I'm really looking forward to. Um, I hope he uh, he does well at the combine. And I really hope that he finds a good landing spot because. Um, you know, that's so important to these prospects is where they end up landing. And then Jerry Judy, obviously no knocking him, man. I mean, this guy, I, I think, I think Ray, I think you're right. A lot of times, and you said it with Tua, we just get so enamored because it's Alabama and we see Alabama all the time. And so we start getting enamored with some other prospects um, other than Alabama guys, just because it's so ho-hum and, you know, more of the usual from them. And Jerry Judy's kind of that way too. I mean, see him, you know, put up numbers and make plays and it's just kind of like, well, we're kind of used to it at this, point, you know. Um, so to me, is just so, so consistent that that's fun. And then Cam Akers is a guy that you're right, Ray. I mean, this guy was left for dead last year. I mean, after last year, uh, people just wrote him off, and really, it was the the offensive line was really bad. And uh, I, I, I had to come around on him this year, Ray, because I'm down on on uh, on Cam Akers coming into the year. And uh, the more I watched him, the more I realized a lot of his deficiencies come from that blocking scheme and just that team in general really kind of brought him down a lot last year and and even this year at times so uh you know just watching him as a prospect and as a player you see what he can do and that's again you know this is a again where the stats are a little misleading if you're looking at box scores you're not always seeing you know uh that cam Akers is putting up these huge numbers uh but when you actually watch the tape you see some of the things that he's able to do and you go wow you know how, how did he get five yards on that play you know that should have been a two-yard loss or you know i mean there's just so many things that he's able to do um he's very elusive he's you know he, he has good uh, contact balance he runs with a nice pad level there's so much that he does well um that doesn't always show up in the box score so yeah i, I really like your list ray and uh and Sampi, i'm looking forward to yours man what do you got going here Oops. As I'm talking into the mic, is it's muted. Um, so you and I, James and I, have a couple uh, that are the same here, um, or we did before James just deleted it on the uh, <laughs> on the show sheet. But um, my number one, my number one cube or uh, running back is DeAndre Swift. Um, I get it. Like there's there's a lot of like nuances between the running backs this season and you can make an argument for Jonathan Taylor uh you can make an argument for Zamir White uh Travis Etienne Cam Akers but to me uh it's it's DeAndre Swift and 
we've seen the guy do everything on the field uh, that he's asked. He he ran for a thousand yards last season. He also had 32 receptions his freshman season. He ran for 618 yards at 7.6 yard per carry um, had 17 receptions this season through eight games. He's at 838 yards, um, 14 receptions. So we know he can catch the ball. We know he can run the ball. Um, he's such a tenacious runner too. Um, He's so physical, and and there can be some concern, especially at his size. He's five nine two fifteen, so his BMI is actually pretty far, pretty high. But the way he runs, there's there can definitely be some concern about injury. Um, uh, some 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 people will compare him to Christian McCaffrey uh, coming out. That that's a high praise, and I don't know if I can get behind that necessarily. Um, but yeah, I mean, the guy just can do everything on the field. If you watch him, he's fast. Uh, he's fluid. He has good vision. Uh, he has fantastic cutting ability. Um, like I said, he can catch the ball. He's actually okay in uh, pass protection too. Um, there's nothing that I really don't like about uh, DeAndre Swift. Um, next on the list is Jonathan Taylor. And honestly, I should let James talk about him, but Jonathan Taylor has been one of the most prolific running backs of all time um, in the in in college. Uh, he has a night. <laughs> this is nuts. He has two back to back two thousand yards seasons from two thousand yards from scrimmage seasons. Um, he has thirteen touchdowns, sixteen touchdowns, and now he has nineteen touchdowns this season. Uh, has not uh, run the ball as well this season. Um, and maybe, maybe James can tell us more about that, but yeah, I mean, the dude is just prolific. The only concern I have is, is the same thing that we've seen from Wisconsin running backs. Uh, they are just used so much. And is that going to wear? are they going to wear down faster in the NFL, uh, than a, a, any other of these, like, like say somebody like Deandre Swift, who doesn't have near the, um, quote unquote mileage on his legs. But I mean, we, we've seen the guy do it. He's on pace for over 20 receptions, which is kind of a benchmark for college running backs as well. Um, and I, and I don't remember the exact stat, but I believe it's like 20 that NFL running backs have a 23% chance of catching 20 or more balls if they haven't caught 20 or more balls in college. So if, if Jonathan Taylor uh, gets to that mark, I feel like not that he's a bad prospect in any way. He's a top three prospect uh, in terms of running backs this season. But if he reaches that 20 reception mark, I feel like a hundred times better about him. And he may move up uh, above DeAndre Swift there. Um, and then finally, and and this is a lot thanks to Ray, but uh, Chuba Hubbard for Oklahoma State, uh, a lot of people will say he came out of nowhere. He was sharing the backfield with Justice Hill last season. Did catch 22 receptions, like I said, that 20 magical 20 reception mark. And then he's exploded onto the scene, 1,600 uh, yards uh, on the ground, uh, 18 touchdowns. He's explosive. Um, he just – he's quickly climbing up into the top five running backs for me in terms of this um, this class. And and maybe I should let you two talk about these these two more because I I don't think I do them justice. 
I think you did. I think you did a heck of a job. And and, and just real quick, DeAndre, he he just does it all, man. And and I'll just say, any running back as a true freshman, an eighteen year old kid that made Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle ride the bench at points in time uh, during the Georgia Bulldog football season, that's somebody we need to take note of. I mean, he had. I mean, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle were there when DeAndre Swift was a true freshman. And he was in the game with those guys on the bench at certain points in the season. I mean, he's just he's just a well-rounded back, you know. Christian McCaffrey, I I don't know, I don't I don't know if he's that, uh, I, I but he's damn good. I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be really good in the NFL. If if, if you're looking for that safe, you know he's going to be a good running back prospect. There's no deficiencies in his game. I think it's Swift. Real quick on Taylor, it was crazy coming into the season. Jonathan Taylor had more career carries than DeAndre Swift and Travis Etienne combined, which, I mean, it just that's crazy. But with me, with running backs, I'm looking at, like, their first contract. Can JT be an RB1 for the first four or five years? And then if he starts breaking down, if after that I've got an RB2 on my hands in, in fantasy, I'd be fine with that. Um, he, he's just – He's such a good runner, and the fact that he's got more receptions than DeAndre Swift this year shows that he, in the offseason, he said, I wanted to work on that, and he did. And then Chuba Hubbard, I mean, uh, you know, if you go back and look at Justice Hill pre-Chuba Hubbard, I think he had over 1,400 rushing yards. And then the year that Chuba Hubbard actually played, it dipped down to like 900 and something yards. And a big reason for that was Chuba Hubbard's ascension as a redshirt freshman, but at six foot one, close to 210 pounds, um, again, we throw terms like elite around way too often, too loosey-goosey with elite this and elite that. Chuba Hubbard has elite speed. I mean, when he's in the open field, it's lights out, cancel Christmas, he's gone. In high school, this dude ran a 10, 500-meter dash. That's blazing. That is blazing speed, but he's not like some track guy playing football. I mean, he's he's carried the ball. I think he's got over 290 touches on the season and Travis Etienne just for comparison has 141. It's insane how much Mike Gundy is using him. And I hope he declares for the 2020 draft, but Hubbard is going to be a freaking stud at the next level. I mean, he can catch the ball. He can run between the tackles. And if you give him a crease, I mean, you're, you're not catching him. It's goodbye. So love that list. Yeah, I, I, this too. And, and Chuba Hubbard's a guy, man, that burst, he's got that elite burst. He sees a hole and man, he just accelerates through it. And like you said, Ray, he, he's gone. You're not catching him. I mean, he, he, he shows that burst. He, he, um, he really has good vision too. Um, yeah, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He has eyes. He, he checks a lot of boxes that you want a running back to check. So I'm, I'm really excited about him too. I'm high on him this year. He really proved a lot to me. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love that list, Stompy. I, two of those guys I got on my list, so I'm going to start. Um, my number one's Jonathan Taylor. Uh, that shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. Look, coming into this year, I had DeAndre Swift over Taylor, um, and Taylor really had some questions he had to answer coming into this year. Not only his role in the passing game, which I think I think he's answered, especially early in the year. I mean, when he was involved, not only – did he catch the ball? But he was taking those catches to the house. I mean, he was he, he had like three touchdowns in his first three games receiving. It was insane. So he he really has has done a good job, not only showing that he can catch the ball, but that he's really good 
the open field once he gets the ball, you know? So um, that to me is, is a huge plus for him. And, and another thing was fumbling, man. He had a fumbling issue coming into this year. And that was the thing that I really thought was going to get him. I was really concerned that if he's, if he's going to, you know, if he can't secure the ball, if he's going to turn the ball over too much, you know, that's, that's a real red flag for NFL teams. They don't, they don't like that at all. So um, he, he's able to, uh, he was able this year to really minimize the turnovers. Um, he's holding on to the ball a whole lot better. And that's kind of a non-issue now for him. So um, that that's what I like is I see a guy who not only was he getting a lot of work, but he also knew that, hey, with this opportunity, I've got to work on the things that, that, you know, are my deficiencies. Like Ray said, you know, he came, he went into the off season. He obviously said, Hey, I, I got to catch the ball. I got to work on it. And he has, and he's involved in the passing game now. And, uh, and, and he's improved in that area. Same thing with ball security. So for me, I, I love seeing that, that, a, that a guy knew, Hey, look, this is what I got to work on. He did it in the off season and we see the improvements in those areas. So uh, to me, that's one of the, one of the many reasons why I like Jonathan Taylor um, this year. Stomp, you did bring up, yeah, his, his, uh, he hasn't been as efficient rushing the ball, and I think a lot of that has to do with the passing game. And I know it, it's been that way in the past, too, in Wisconsin. They just haven't been able to, to you know, to throw the ball. And, and, and this year, really, especially in the big games, um, that kind of showed. Uh, especially, they got exploited against Illinois, and uh, Ohio State used a lot of that game plan um, to kind of shut them down, too, to, to just make sure that, hey, look, we're, we're going to you guys are going to have to throw to beat us. And, uh, and they weren't able to, um, they, they've got some playmakers at receiver, but they don't have a lot. Um, they, they, you know, Wisconsin's always kind of been a running school. So, um, yeah, his efficiency hasn't been there, but, uh, and, and the other thing I'll say with Taylor, and actually I'll save that because my, my next guy is Deandre Swift and look, like you guys said, you guys are pretty swift and everything you said has been on this guy shows that he can do every single thing on the field. Well, um, you know, when he's taking carries away from guys like Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, I mean, that that just tells you right there what a special player this guy is when he was young. Um, you know, and now, you know, he's he's kind of the guy. But uh, but, you know, the, here's the one thing, the, the only thing that keeps keeps Taylor ahead of me, uh, ahead of Swift for me is, you know, a lot of people will say that, man, you know, Taylor's had a lot of carries. The one, the one good thing about that for me is that he has shown that he can be that three-down bell cow type back. He's going to hold up to that. He's kind of used to it, you know? Swift, I haven't seen that with yet. We haven't seen him get those those multiple carries in back-to-back games, um, you know, to where he's he's being used as that that primary back. And so sometimes I wonder if is this – is this guy going to be able to carry a full workload? Is he going to be best used as a complimentary type guy or in a committee, that type of thing? I think DeAndre Swift can do everything. I think I, I don't have any questions about that. He can catch the ball. Um, he's He has elite vision, great burst. I mean, he he's, he's the whole package. But can he do it 25 to 30 times a game with all those touches, game in and game out? That's what I want to know, and that, that's going to be interesting to find out with Swift. Um my, my third guy is Amir White, and I am enamored with Zeus, man. This guy uh, just showed me so much in high school. I really want to see him in Georgia, um, you know, when he gets when he gets some some more work there. And obviously, you know, with DeAndre Swift there and with, you know, the I mean, the running back talent that they have at Georgia is ridiculous. It's crazy. Um, so it, it's been hard for Zemir White to find uh, consistent time, playing time. But I really want to see – How's Amir White's going to do? I've got high hopes for this guy. I think he's going to be in Georgia. You know, they 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 know how to use their running backs. They know how to develop them. I think Zamir White's going to be one in a long line of great running backs coming out of Georgia. Um, I'm interested to hear what you guys think about Zamir White, though. 
Go ahead, Stompy. No, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I guess I I don't necessarily go back that far in terms of the high school prospects, but I mean, he, he's just another in this this long line of running backs that is showing something every time he touches the ball. And and unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, but you've had guys that share the field um, week in, week out for uh, for um, the Bulldogs. But, yeah, I mean, Zamir White, every time he touches the ball, I mean, he is a lot like uh, DeAndre Swift for me. Um He's just explosive. He's fast. He can basically do anything and everything on the field. Unfortunately, uh, he did have that ACL uh, tear um, in August, but I like, it's just, I don't know how it happens. It's literally every year with, with these guys where <laughs> it's Gurley and then Nick Chubb and then Sony Michelle and then DeAndre Swift. And then like, let's be real. Holyfield wasn't that bad of a prospect in college either. Yep. Um, and then, and now you have Zamir white. It's, it's absolutely ludicrous how they keep stacking these running backs and Zamir white. Like I said, reminds me a lot of DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Zamir white is good, man. And uh, you know, it, it's going to be one of those things where we're just getting glimpses of them this season and when DeAndre Swift leaves, it'll be the Zamir White show. And and we're talking about these guys. Don't forget about uh, Dalvin Cook's little brother, James Cook, who's also one of those kind of like that scat back weapon. Um, he's going to get drafted. You know, he's not going to be a first, second, or third round pick, but he's going to get drafted. So it's just it's a it's a embarrassment of riches for Georgia. My only the only concern the only concerns that I have about Zamir White. Yeah, he tore his ACL last August, but then he also tore uh, the other ACL, I believe his senior year of high school. So that's two ACL tears. It's one on each knee, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, look at how we're treating Todd Gurley now with those, you know, knee injuries and the ACL injury, the recovery stuff. You know, it's not the death sentence that it used to be, but two ACL injuries, one on each knee. It's just, it's a little scary. So I'm, I, I just hope that he can stay healthy. But physically, the kid is one of the most gifted running backs in college football, period, right now, even though he's not going to get to showcase his, showcase his talents with DeAndre Swift and Brian Harrion back there. But next year in 2021, it's going to be wheels up for uh, Zamir White. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to that. You're right. The the injuries are a concern uh, for sure. But yeah, I, I agree, Stompy. I see a lot of uh, a lot of Swift with Zamir White. I mean, uh, similar size. And I think Zamir White can kind of do everything too. Um, but we'll, we'll find out a whole lot more about him next season uh, for sure, like Ray stated. So guys, let's finish up. I want to get your top sleeper, Debbie Corbeck. Tell me who it is and tell me a little bit about him if you guys don't mind. Ray, I'd like to start with you, bud. Who we got? All right, you know, super flex show. We've got, you know, we've got to we've got to dig deep for some of these quarterbacks because it's sort of the usual suspects. But uh, North Carolina, they've got they've got a nor- another quarterback coming out, and I promise you, he's not Mitch Trubisky. I promise you, he, he looks a lot better than Mitch did in his one season as a starting quarterback for the Tar Heels. And his name is Sam Howell, true freshman quarterback, 6'1", 225. He almost had a signature win versus Clemson, but they decided to run 
a triple option for the two-point convert. Just the dumbest play call that you can think of, and it inevitably blew up in their face, and they lost that game versus Clemson. But in his freshman season, um, he's, he's thrown for almost 2,500 passing yards, 26 TDs, and only five interceptions. You know, completion percentage a little bit low, but again, freshman quarterback. He's at 58.2 percent. He's not a, a he's not a running quarterback. All right, he didn't he isn't going to do much on the ground for you. But when you talk about just sort of that like that that moxie when you watch a kid play, that fire, um, you know, that gunslinger mentality. Sam Howell is going to be somebody we're talking about in the next couple of years, right up there with Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels. He's going to be somebody that we're talking about, you know, for our dynasty rookie drafts as a player that that we're going to need to select because any any freshman quarterback who comes in and and it's not like North Carolina has crazy weapons. They don't have uh, Travis Etienne and T Higgins and Justin Ross to throw the ball to. And for him to be doing what he's doing uh, in the ACC You've got to take notice. Sam Howell is somebody that we've got to keep our eyes on, and we'll start we'll start hearing more about him next season, and then finally his junior year when he's actually uh, NFL draft eligible. Well, now I got tape to watch because now I got to watch Sam Howell, man. So you just gave me more homework, Ray. Thank you, um, but that's all right. I'll just add that to the list of guys that I want to watch, man. So you've intrigued me for sure, Stompy. Who's your guy here? So I have another Sam here. Um, I, I like this. Just keep saying my name over and over. <laughs> um, I have Sam Ellinger, and I don't know how much of a sleeper he is, um, but he's definitely down on some people's boards. And and, it, and it's understandable. He definitely has his issues throwing the ball. But this dude is an absolute gamer. He is um, – He's a 6'3", 230-pound guy, so he's thick. He's got a thick lower body. He's a de- he's a good athlete. He He's like somewhat like Josh Allen. Uh, Dak Prescott's another um, um, good comp in terms of his build. He, he can run the ball. He had 16 rushing touchdowns last season, but he's in, been basically improving every season as a passer. Um, and the, the big issues with him is – he he doesn't know how to do tight window throws. He doesn't know how to do those anticipation throws. Um, and and I think it's – I don't know if it's an internal clock thing or if it's a, a an accuracy thing or if it's just a confidence thing. But he definitely – if he's going to be successful in the NFL, he needs to learn how to um, be accurate and be able to throw those tight window throws because we we know we watch the NFL every week good quarterbacks have to make those throws to win games. Um, so he's just not a good anticipatory quarterback. Again, uh, he, he does have uh, some internal clock issues. He does some have some accuracy issues. Um, and I think those things can be fixed, but you can't fix the fact that this dude balls out. Um, last season, he had over 3,000 rush or, or uh, 3,000 passing yards, 25 touchdowns to the air, only five interceptions. Um, and, but, and and I get the concern. I mean, he does have a lot of talent around him. Um, he, he had little Jordan Humphreys last season. He had Colin, um, Johnson as well. Uh, so it's just one of those things where it's like, you can't, it's kind of like a Tim Tebow-esque type thing where there are definitely some things he needs to learn, needs to be better at throwing the ball, but you, there's just things you can't teach. 
And those intangibles, like, like Ray mentioned earlier in the podcast are some things you can't teach. So that's why I really like Sam Ellinger. And if, if he improves some of those mechanical things, I think he could be a decent quarterback in the NFL. Nice. Okay. I like that. Hey, Ray, you, uh, you reside in Texas. You're from Texas. So tell me what, what are your thoughts on, uh, on, on this, uh, on this sleeper for Stompy here? Yeah, I, I like Sam. You know, he was actually my dark horse for the Heisman Trophy this year because, I mean, he can, he's that dual threat quarterback. He's more, you know, he's more Tebow Dak than Lamar Jackson, right? He's not, you know, he's definitely a really good athlete, but he doesn't have like, uh, you know, that, that burst and that juice like those other guys like Hertz or like a Lamar Jackson, but he's tough as nails, man. That dude, that dude can shrug off defenders. All the, he just has to work on, you know, you know, those fundamentals as a quarterback delivering the ball consistently from the pocket because he is accurate at times. There's times where I watch him play and I'm like, heck yeah, this is somebody who's going to be a sleeper in the NFL. He'll get on a team and sit for a year or two. And then, you know, he, he may have a shot to do something. And then it's just consistency. He's got to be more consistent. And it, it's already pretty much like a confirm that he is coming back for a senior season, which that's going to be good. I think that's good for his development. They've got a lot of weapons down there in Austin, Texas for him to continue to develop. And he's somebody that I think in a, and Stompy said it earlier in that when we were talking about the 2021 quarterbacks, I mean, it's top heavy. It's, it's fields, it's Lawrence. If JT Daniels comes back, it's JT. And then who, you know, uh, Brock Purdy from Iowa state. So he has a chance to sort of, elevate uh, his draft stock next year. So I'm hoping he gets in the lab. He works on, you know, delivering from the pocket and working on that accuracy because he could potentially be that third quarterback in that 2021 class. So uh, like his build, like his makeup, like his character, I think it's a good pick. I like it. I like it too. Very nice. So I'm going to finish this off here. And my guy, uh, my sleeper is Charlie Brewer for the Baylor, uh, for, for Baylor. And look, Here's the thing with Baylor. I, I, I have I have a tough time rooting for him ever since. And and look, I mean, college programs they you know one guy can ruin a reputation, and, and that kind of happened over at Baylor. So you know the the Baylor Bears for me is, is a tough team to root for sometimes. However, I will say this: watching Charlie Brewer um, last year, really, he kind of opened my eyes a little bit at the end of last year. They they were what I think they were five and six going into their last game against Texas Tech. They were an underdog. They ended up winning that game, becoming bowl eligible, winning their bowl, bowl game, and now they're seven and zero this season. And Charlie Brewer just seems to be, uh, you know, Mister on the spot when they need a play, he makes it. He has this season. Get this: Charlie Brewer has a sixty-seven percent completion percentage on third down. That goes up to seventy-two percent. That is insane. I mean, when they need him to make a play, Charlie Brewer steps up and makes a play. And that's just it. For me, the, sometimes it just comes down to, especially at the quarterback position, man, because it's so hard to weigh, you know, everything, the, the skill set and and everything else and the demeanor, what kind of leader they're going to be. But Charlie Brewer seems to be that kind of guy that raises the level of play of those around him, um, really helped change a culture over at Baylor. I think, I think we're starting to see a winning culture and a winning attitude there. Uh, Ray, I know, I know that you're in Texas. I know Baylor's maybe not one of your favorite teams, but can you tell me, uh, seeing that, uh, that you probably see a whole lot of Charlie Brewer. Um, what, what do you think of Charlie Brewer? Does he have any, any type of juice going into the week or, uh, or am I way off base here? No, he definitely does. And I think you hit the nail on the head with him and he's just, 
I mean, he's a gritty kid and, and there's things that he does on the field where it looks like he's down and out. And then, you know, like you said, he's, he's very accurate with the ball and he can move, you know, the game versus Oklahoma state, he was out there running around, picking up yards. You know, he's an above average athlete as well. Any quarterback that can move around, I'm a fan of, you know, you don't have to be uh, Lamar Jackson. If you, if you can do that, I, I, I love you to death, but I, I just, I'm not a fan of just like, statue you, you got to be able to move and charlie brewer can do that he can make all the throws he can deliver from the pocket and i think he's going to have his chance here in the next couple of weeks to to start to elevate his draft stock and get his name out there more he's going to have some primetime games and there's a good chance they end up in the big 12 title game and if if he can continue to perform listen if trace mcsorley was drafted all right trace mcsorley was picked in the nfl draft then Char- there's a place on an NFL roster for Charlie Brewer. And uh, I-, I firmly wholeheartedly believe that. And that's I'm not trying to knock Trace McSorley. I mean, he's a heck of a lot better football player than I ever was. But if he got drafted, then Charlie Brewer, there's a place for him at the next level. Awesome. Ray, I appreciate you guys. It looks like we're winding out of time, but before we go, Ray, uh, please tell everyone again where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find the destination Devi podcast and where they can find your work as a ranker and everywhere, uh, everything else that you do. Uh, what everyone know here real quick before we sign off. Yeah. And I just want to say, thank you guys. I've been a big fan of the show for a long time. Um, having picked up Superflex leaks not too long ago. You guys are awesome. It's a consistent listen for me. So it's been an honor to be on this show with you guys. Uh, for you guys listening, if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at Ray GQ. That's Q-U-E, Destination Debbie Podcast. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts at, the, the DDP is there. You know, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all of that great stuff. And then I am a writer and ranker over there on Dynasty League Football. So check out some of my written content is on there as well. But mainly, everything I do is on Twitter so if you follow me on Twitter you'll see everything that I got going on by the way one of the if not the best follows in terms of Debbie in terms of college prospects in terms of college fantasy football you need to be following Ray GQ over here he's my favorite Debbie follow absolutely man appreciate you man seriously Make, make make that too. Not only that, man, but uh, your positivity on Twitter, man, it just helps me get through the day. Every morning you you uh, you kind of tweet something positive out and it sets a tone for the day, man. So that that doesn't go unnoticed either. That is uh, is appreciated by me and several others I know. So uh, keep up the good work, Ray. Ray. We uh, we appreciate you coming on and being our guest here. But uh, we are going to sign off now. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Be sure to follow us. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow Stompy at FF Stompy. Um, you can follow me at underscore James the Brain. And make sure to follow the show at Superflex Show on Twitter. Also, make sure to rate and review us if you can. Wherever you're listening to us, that helps us bring up better content for you um, and, uh, and know where we're hitting and where we're missing. Special thanks to Heart and Soul Radio for their song, The Addiction. And special thanks to Dynasty Week Football Family, a podcast, and the entire DLF staff for their ongoing support. Follow and send questions and trade polls to the podcast on Twitter at Superflex Show. And again, guys, make sure that you stay sexy and super flexy.